The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio. From the Global News Radio studios in Toronto, with Hi-Fi portfolio managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Good evening, my friends. Best day of the week, and it's the evening, Saturday night indeed, 7 o'clock. Each and every week, I have the privilege of spending an hour with you to talk money. Hey, it's a good topic. It's relevant. It's important. It's the middle of the summer. And, uh, well, again, each and every week I speak about optimism, uh, the reopening theme, getting back to normal. And, uh, yeah, it's, it certainly is moving in the right direction. Uh, market, of course, is uh, about to embark, I believe, on a, a little summer tantrum, so to speak, some summer storms. Right? The bears, I guess, come out. Markets had a great move, you know, in speaking with our strategist, Martin Reberge, this week. Um, you know, he said, basically, there's a lot of good news baked into the cake. Um, lots of leverage in the system. Lots of uh, excessive enthusiasm. Uh, don't be surprised for, you know, 5, 10, maybe 15% correction. Uh, you know, they happen every year, my good friends, uh, 5%. Every year, 10, you know, every other year, 20, every three to five years and 50, well, every 10 years, um, you buy them. Those are always buyable points. Uh, history has proven that as we flirt about one or 2% away from all time highs. But really what's really ha- has my attention right now, and Jack and I have been speaking about this, is another asset class that's very dear to all of us, and that's real estate. Um, it, 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 there's a tale of two markets, I believe, in the real estate market where the entry level items are being bid to the stratosphere. A uh, good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Michael Hainsworth, a longtime financial commentator, a futurist, um, and uh, host of an upcoming web series, Where's My Jetpack, uh, is gracious enough to spend some time with us this Saturday night. Michael, uh, my friend, good evening to you. Welcome to the weekend, and thank you for spending time with us. Well, thank you, and what a weekend it is. Indeed. Uh, we got Jack, of course, uh, on the line here. Jack, uh, happy Saturday. Hope you're well. Doing very well. Always a pleasure to be here, Wolf. Indeed, indeed. Uh, well, let's uh, give the audience uh, their money's worth this evening, my good friends. Um, you know, again, Michael, we're here. We're in the middle of the summer. Um, markets flirting with an all-time high. Uh, you know, I, I just bought myself some two-by-fours. Uh, you and I are both going through a renovation. <laughs> and, and Michael, honestly, you know, a two-by-four is, is, is the cheapest form of wood. It's spruce. Uh, there is no shortage of... Spruce are like weeds. Um, uh, they, they grow everywhere and they grow quick. Uh, we have a hundred in Burton, the family does. Loaded with spruce. Uh, I can't cut them down quick enough. They just keep popping out of the ground. Yet once you chop them up, and deliver them uh, to my driveway, uh, a small, uh, shall I say, half-pack, half-skid, <laughs> cost me almost $2,000. I think I ended up with about 80 two-by-fours, uh, delivery uh, tax, um, just about 2000 bucks. I couldn't believe it. Um, and we're seeing the same in real estate. You know, Anything priced in and around a million dollars is just flying off the shelves. And I mean junk, stuff that is, is, is almost in inhabitable uh, for about a million bucks. But the high-end real estate, Michael, and I'm speaking of the really high-end stuff, stuff that you see maybe in the bridal path or, you know, in, in, in Forest Hill, the stuff that's priced, you know, five million plus, uh, 
honestly, you, you, if you if you're fortunate enough that you can participate in that market, which you know one percent of Canadians can, um, you you almost have the pick of the litter. Um, and you know, Jack, you mentioned that about the REITs. All right, so we'll take residential real estate and move over to the real estate market that Jack and I participate in called the REITs. And Jack, I want you to share with uh, the market what you're seeing in the REIT space, those great big shopping malls, apartment buildings, office companies, and the likes. Uh, share with the crowd what you're seeing. And Michael, I want to parlay over to you as a new homeowner, what you have found. Absolutely. Well, from, we, we run a relative strength analysis and we look at, obviously, a cross-section of in this case, it was REITs. And what, what I came across was the fact that, uh, you know, the, the lower quality, the second tier REITs, the stuff that, uh, you know, is outside of the major urban centers, that is the stuff that is really appreciated a lot this year. And some of that goes to the base effect, Wolf, the fact that they were down so far, uh, you know, the, uh, a significant move in terms of dollars adds a lot of percentage uh, in terms of return. So that's part of what we're seeing, but it is the, the, the base effect along with the fact that, you know, there's lots of liquidity out there, so people start to move down the quality ladder, I think. Michael, um, your experience with your uh, recent home sale, home purchase, uh, as a newly found bachelor, uh, please share with the crowd what you have noticed in the real estate market. Oh, my goodness. It, you know, this time a year ago or so, uh, when uh, that whole process of extricating myself from the matrimonial home began, Everybody said to me, Michael, why are you buying another house? Why don't you just rent for a year, let the dust settle on the divorce, let that all go by? And it just, just seems ridiculous to get into the housing market during a pandemic. And, of course, a year later, those same people, almost every professional in my life is saying, wow, it's a damn good thing you got into the housing market when you did. There's no way you would have been able to get the house you got for the price you did. And I thought I was paying through the nose. One of the big reasons why I was willing to pay through the nose was because in the back, there's this giant dilapidated garage that I can tear down and turn into a massive Studio 3B for this upcoming web series that you're hinting at uh, I'm launching. And so I thought I'm going to do what Wolfgang's doing. I'm going to add another story to the house kind of thing by tearing down that garage, build out that studio. It's going to be great. And I turned to my architect and my architect said, are you crazy? Not with prices at $2,000 per thousand board feet. Are you kidding me? It <laughs> was something that maybe I thought that you might have considered instead when you were doing your renovation there with that additional bedroom. And that was that maybe you should go with either poured concrete or his suggestion, why don't you just build a shipping container laneway house in the back and call it a day? It'll be cheaper. So that's kind of the world that we're living in right now. You know, you bring up the point, though, about, you know, the value of houses uh, for a million bucks or so. You know, we were looking at some of the figures uh, earlier uh, in the week regarding uh, specifically how things are going um, in uh, the, the resale market in the month of, of June. And we saw that, you know, prices uh, haven't been doing so well. Uh, the, the, the change is happening. The average selling price in June was down 2.1% over May, up 17% year over year, sure. But sales were also down on a month-over-month -month basis. And I know we always like to focus on year over year, but it leads to some suggestions that we're seeing a slowing there. But we're also seeing a slowing in the price you would have paid if you had just waited a couple of months for that uh, pine or fir or that spruce, because BMO's predicting we'll see about a 60% decline from the current prices over the course of the coming year. Well, you know, Jack made a very good common sense call. Uh, he said, Wolf, uh, plywood, a hundred and some odd dollars a sheet. It will not be there in a year. Uh, and I, I think he's dead right. It will get cut. Uh, that said, West Fraser Timber stock was up nicely, some 6% uh, 
yesterday. Um, there, there's another point I wanted to I want to bring up here. Um, the, uh, the that 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 hit series uh, Shit's Creek. Um, the original home that that family lived in. Uh, Michael, you're, I'm sure you're aware of it. Uh, and I believe it was in the bridal path. Um, and I believe it's on the market for, I'm going to say $16 million down from a price of 20 million. But if you take a go online and find that home, Schitt's Creek, you know, the, 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 the television series, the home that the, the, the debut took place in, that I guess they got kicked out of, uh, goes the story and they up in the motel, <laughs> brilliant writing, uh, brilliant acting. Um, the, the replacement costs. Again, we're talking about two by fours. That, that, that home was not built with two by fours. That home was built with the most quality of materials, uh, including uh, poured concrete, reinforced steel guarantee. And that's a lot more expensive than building with spruce. Um, but that's my point. You can buy building or land, uh, basically you get one for free. If you buy a place like that, you're almost paying lot value or you're paying building value, but not playing both. I'll give you the point. Uh, when, when my home was assessed, the one I'm in right now, uh, when it was assessed for uh, house insurance, uh, fire and, and, and the likes, uh, they were saying, gee whiz, you basically bought the property for either land value or building value because to replace the building, it, it was about 75% of what I paid for the whole package. Now, of course, uh, it's a fixer-upper, aka money pit that I purchased, but I knew that uh, eyes wide open going into the project. But uh, that, that is my point. Um, on the other hand, when you buy something that is brand new uh, from a developer, uh, you know, uh, I think it'll be a great long-term investment, but if you're buying the lower-end stuff, you are paying top dollar uh, for it. Um, again, condo developers hate, hate selling to, they have to buy uh, municipal uh, build building code, but they have to build two two bedroom and I think the odd three bedroom unit. They hate building those units because on a per square footage basis, they don't get as much uh, money for them. 24,000 square feet is what the Schitt's Creek mansion is. At how many, sorry, Michael, how many? Road. 24,000 square That's feet my built point. in 2012, and it was originally listed for $21.7 million in November of 2018. 2019, they brought it down to 19.8, relisted in 2020 at 16.8, and today right. you can get it for a 31% reduction from the original listing, a mere $14.9 million. Wolfgang, why did you not buy this place? No, but that, that is a, but uh, Michael, when, when you see stuff in, in Toronto going for almost $2 million, uh, there's many of them, that's a piece of junk. Uh, that Shit's Creek is looking, well, why don't we just band together, get, get six residents from the street and buy that Shit's Creek mansion? It's 21,000 square feet. Uh, how big is, I, I want to find out how big that lot is. And I wouldn't mind driving by it one day just for fun. Be a tourist on that street and take a look at the home, if you can even see it. Uh, I'm sure it's got an amazing setback. But again, the price of labor, the price of material, all going through the roof. Uh, and I'm going to say something else about homes, what I have learned, Michael. And you, you, you made some amazing comments. And Chris Pack, a good friend of yours, had a few stories about a home he has purchased in the past with uh, architectural challenges, shall I say. But if you buy a home that's in perfect condition to your eye, and even if a home inspector comes through and gives it his stamp of approval, you don't know what you're buying. It's remarkable oh. how something can look good uh, to the naked eye, but once you start to tear out some drywall, you realize, oh my, that whole structure has no support beneath it, which is exactly what I found in the home that I purchased. Uh, and, and a building inspector would never have picked up on it. Plus, I once I ripped it open, I realized that the venting in the attic was done poorly and mold has built up. Again, it would we had a mold inspection on this home. They couldn't get behind the drywall to, to detect mold, never found it. So uh, again, I, home inspections are fine, but 
again, they're not uh, a fait accompli when it comes to looking at the entire package that you are purchasing. Uh, the show's Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Michael Hainsworth, a longtime financial commentator. He's a futurist uh, and, of course, uh, now working on a new web series called Where's My Jetpack? Uh, Delighted to be speaking with him. Of course, Jack Hartle, my partner, right-hand man, very smart to boot, uh, graciously spending some time with us each and every Saturday on Global News Radio, this is 640 in Toronto. More show coming up right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Indeed. Well, let's talk about tech. Uh, that, that concept, by the way, just talking tech about sexting, I still don't even get it. Uh, and I don't want to go down that road per se, but when that song was written, uh, if you would have mentioned the sexting, well, could you imagine? No idea. No clue. No, no. This, that was in the time of the pagers. Did you have a pager, Mr. Michael Hainsworth? I, I had a pager. Um, oh. I was one of those guys in radio in the early days as a reporter who would get his ass hauled out of bed at three in the morning to cover a fire downtown type of thing. And, oh, the sound of the pager going off in the middle of the night was just the worst thing ever. But your point about texting, do you? there was a time, like the kids today, they won't believe you, but there was a time where if you wanted to write the word hello on your phone, you had to hit the number four twice. You had to hit the number three twice. You had to hit the number five three times and do it again. And then for, oh, that was six three times. Uh, <laughs> like, come on. We, we've advanced so much since then. Well, when you played the Let's Talk About Sex, I thought you wanted to talk about my post-divorce life. And I was getting a little nervous there, my friend. But I we're, we're, We'll, we'll save that, that show for Jeff Woods, Ray. We'll let Jeff Woods take care of that <laughs> one with you, pal. Um, it's funny because Jeff uh, is doing something very similar, to, has done something similar to what you've dreamed of doing, or dreaming of doing. I hope it after you get you executed. Is He built himself a little studio uh, up in uh, Collingwood. Uh, and he's bringing all kinds of uh, local musicians through and recording them and the likes. And do some great content uh, creation. Very, very impressive. Um, so I, I do wish you well with your container build in the back of your property. If we have time, we can talk a little about that. But um, uh, you are very tech-centric, of course, being a futurist. It's all about technology. And it, it's interesting because, uh, Jack, you have frequently in the office spoke about the shared economy uh, and about how it does make more sense when, uh, for, you know, for, for one person on the street perhaps to buy the lawnmower, cut everyone's grass, rotate, and away you go. And if we all could get along, that would actually in a perfect world make sense. I'll tell you, in the hood I'm in right now, no one owns a lawnmower, but it's not. It, maybe it is a shared economy. They share a gardener, and the, the gardeners show up with their pickup truck and, and, and flatbeds and unload their equipment, block my driveway, and uh, out come 17 leaf blowers, and they blast the, the, the property in about three minutes, and next next house. Uh, that's, I guess, the shared economy. Not like, I like gardening. I like getting my hands dirty and doing a little bit of work sometimes, you know? <laughs> you just sounded like an ad for Grey Poupon, my friend. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, let, let's talk tech a little bit. Um, the shared economy, uh, you know, you just look at Google, um, you know, the dominance it has, and it, it allows for all this stuff to happen. Um, in, in your futuristic viewpoint, what do you see 
five and 10 years down the road? Well, the, the greatest predictions for the next, you know, five to 10 years down the road is that it, there's going to come a time when we don't really actually own anything. Google is one of those major players, Amazon Web Services, another one, Cisco Systems, too. It, everything as a service is the term. Uh, you know, we, we knew about software as a service, SAAS, where instead of buying software, you rent it. Adobe has been an excellent player in that space. Everybody knows about Photoshop. You used to have to pay 900 to to $1,000 to buy a version of Photoshop, and then you'd have to buy it again every few years. Instead, they moved to, instead, why don't we just charge you a couple of bucks a month for Adobe Photoshop? That model has been applied to so many things. We're going to see it in transportation, as we already kind of have with uh, Uber. Uh, we're going to see it in accommodation. We're going to see it as food as a service, not just skip the dishes, but pre-planned meals like HelloFresh, really gaining a lot of ground. In 2019, everything as a service was a $117 billion industry. And the expectations are that we'll see a compound annual growth rate over the next five years of 25%. So something that, you know, World Economic Forum says by 2030, we're going to own nothing. We're going to rent everything. That has some remarkable implications, not only for us as individuals, but for us as investors as well. The recurring revenue model is something that every tech company aims for. Uh, Adobe found religion on that a decade ago and went, wait a minute, we can make a lot more money in the long run, cut down on piracy, and be able to go back to Wall Street and say, look at this recurring revenue that's coming in every single month, as opposed to worrying about whether or not the next big release of Photoshop is going to be enough to get somebody to open their wallet. This is going to be our future. And the downside of that future is, well, they can just take back whatever it is you're using, and that's going to extend your smartphone. We're paying $1,000 for these glass rectangles, and there's going to come a time where we're just going to pay a little monthly fee, kind of like we already are with subsidies. That's very fascinating. And again, uh, Jack, uh, you and I both adore recurring revenue models. Um, and but uh, Jack, something else that you pay a lot of attention to. So again, I want you to share with the audience the opportunity, the risk, and the opportunity uh, when companies do a revenue shift. Yeah, I and mean, what we saw it, you saw it with Adobe, and obviously you saw it with Autodesk. I guess that's the the, the most two prevalent uh, examples that I can think of off the top of my head. But uh, like Michael said, these companies used to go out and sell software packages uh, to their customers. And when they make that shift to the cloud to, to generate that recurring revenue, there's often a, you know, I'm going to call it an 18 month to two year um, revenue dip as they transition to the cloud and start getting that recurring monthly revenue. But uh, like Michael said, you know, the shared economy is real, obviously 25% growth annualized, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, you look at these companies, Wolf, and we like the old rental companies. We like, you know, in the past, we've owned United Rentals. We've owned Sintas. Like all these companies are doing right now up in the cloud is the fact that they're taking the, the rental market and, and applying technology to it. Yeah, and the other one that you, you sent to me the other day, uh, the old spin-off from United Technologies is Otis, Otis Elevator. And friends, we don't own this stock. Jack and I are doing homework on it. Um, but Otis Elevator, well, yes, as the name implies, uh, they make elevators. But uh, in looking at their revenue model, uh, if I read the research correctly, some 70% of their current revenue stream is recurring. And uh, that means basically salespeople out there, you understand this, if every year you can begin a new fiscal uh, with 70% of your customers guaranteed to come back, uh, you have a lot less attrition to worry about if there's a flop with another box. But uh, again, as, as Michael said, and so I, want to, I want to look for examples 
of Beyond Software, Adobe and um, uh, who was the other company you mentioned there, Jack? Uh, it was Autodesk. Autodesk. Well. Autodesk. Uh, they're both they're both software companies. But again, now we look at uh, Michael. You mentioned Airbnb. Uh, you mentioned so we we got hotels as a service. We have uh, riding rideshare. Um, give, give me some uh, some some, some a little more far fetched um, uh, things we won't own. And I don't want to talk about spouses. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the earlier example, and it's sort of the thin edge of the wedge that got us into this mindset in the first place, was Apple. Um, you remember back in the olden days, you used to go down to a record store. Um, that, uh, for the kids who are listening, was a place where you bought music. You brought it home. You opened it up. You read the liner notes You list, as you listened to the music. You flipped the record to side B, continued pouring through all of that. Eventually, we decided that we would rather have all of this on a little rectangle device that could pump it out whenever we wanted to. And we would buy music. We got burned in the 90s with compact discs where we would spend 25 to $35 for a digital disc where we only turned out that we like one or two tracks. We felt burned. We started stealing music. Apple's solution was give it to you in the form of a 99-cent download. We bought music for 99 cents, and eventually they said, I got a better idea. Why don't, instead of you buying the music, you just subscribe to this service? Instead of spending, you know, buying 15 songs a month, why not spend $15 and get unlimited songs? And that really changed our minds and our perspectives on how we own things and what we don't own. And so we're going to see that in areas of our life that we didn't expect. It's going to uh, play out in areas like what we watch, how we watch. The subscription services are already well on the way to that. Um, I wanted to, to show my daughter a TV series that I absolutely adored from the olden days, and they wanted to charge me $3.50 per episode. Forget <laughs> that. I'll spend $15 and just get a full subscription service that includes it. Um, these are the types of things that, that we're seeing. But healthcare as a service is another bizarre one for the Tommy Douglas fans of the world who would see the Saskatchewan man rolling over in his grave with the creation of, of Medicare. The idea that instead of just going to the doctor, waiting in a clinic for your turn, you can pick up the phone and within two minutes have a doctor on the other end diagnosing whatever your situation is. There's a company in Canada called Maple that is doing exactly that. Um, and then we get right down back to the transportation idea. My car sits out front of my house. 98% of the time. Why not just once Elon Musk and others figure out the self-driving car concept, hit a button on my phone, have that vehicle when I need it, where I need it, and for how long I need it. We're starting to boil that frog already with those existing subscription services like AutoShare and others. And soon, the idea, like my daughter is 15. She's so excited about learning how to drive a car. I figure within 10 years, she's not going to need to learn how to drive a car. She's just going to hit a button on her phone on a temple on the side of her forehead and be able to have that device or unit, whatever it is, roll up to the front of the house. The, you know, you're, you're, automotive is a monster industry. Jack, you know better than anyone being a, uh, uh, a bit of a tool and die hobbyist. Your brother, of course, working up at Magna. But th that was once the engine 
behind the province of Ontario. The Golden Horseshoe, of course, the Rust Belt. Oh, yeah, uh, automotive was monstrous. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't like spending money on cars. And I, I, I again, friends at home, I'll share with you. Uh, the car I have right now is about to turn 17 years old. And, yes, it sits in my driveway 99% of the time. Um, and guess <laughs> and what? I, I, I just, I just saved myself. Guys, I just saved myself $300 a year. Um, the uh, uh, cash flow cookbook would love this. I saved 300 bucks a year because I dropped my comprehensive cover, so, co coverage. So if I hit a tree or hit a wall, uh, I have to self-insure. But guess what? The book value of my car is, is zero. Uh, if a dealership took my car, it would be for $50. But the car runs perfectly well. It's a Volkswagen. So uh, I continue to... Uh, uh, be a reverse snob and uh, enjoy my uh, car. But I can certainly see that industry uh, be ripe for uh, some disruption. And again, my teenage boys are not overly interested in getting their driver's license. But here's another app, Michael, I heard about um, something that people could share. And I certainly wouldn't mind being on the other side of this trade. Uh, the house I bought has a swimming pool. I don't like swimming pools. All work, all cash, uh, not a lot of love. Uh, my family likes it. God bless them. Enjoy the pool, please. All I do is pay for the water and the heating and the maintenance, but that's, uh, I guess, my role in life. Uh, but apparently now there's a pool app where you can rent out your pool for an hour or two. Uh, so people who don't have a pool who want to go for a dip, find a local pool, private pool, and rent it for a couple hours. Uh, you know, across my mind, of course, is nothing but pure liability. And if you were to call your insurance <laughs> company, I don't know how happy they would be at that. And I'm going to, again, share something else with you, Michael. When I moved homes from the home I had to the home I'm in, I really moved up snack bracket. And uh, the big bank that insured me, I'm not going to mention the name, although I really would like to, the big bank that insured me said, nope, we don't do those types of homes. You're declined. We don't want you as a customer. And, and uh, I said, well, I'm doing a renovation. Oh, that's it. You're out. They, they, they fired me as a client. Uh, very risky. Uh, again, if you have an asset, you have to insure that asset. And if you're going to do any changes to that asset, you better let your insurance company know because, first of all, you want to make sure you are always properly covered and B, uh, if you're going to make a change, let them know in advance because they may not give you a pleasant response. You may have to shop the market. Uh, outraged as I was, uh, I, be I became a number and only a number. They didn't look at the person uh, behind the, uh, the annual pay uh, or, or bill. Um, and as such, I was discarded as a uh, bad credit risk. you believe that? Well, hey, it's a show about money, my good friends. We share it all with you here. Uh, Michael Hainsworth, uh, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us this Saturday night. Uh, I want to wish you success with your new show. When, when are you launching uh, Where's My Jetpack? Where's My Jetpack is being launched this summer. We may even deal with the idea of pool as a service because, quite frankly, uh, Wolfgang, do you really want ugly, sweaty strangers in your backyard at any point of the day? No. I don't think so. I don't think there's a no. future there. Let's focus on the jetpack. <laughs> Real pleasure, my friend. You have yourself an amazing week, and we'll get caught up with you soon. Uh, it is Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. Uh, we are going to get right back to the show after these special messages. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Indeed, it is Saturday night, my good friends. Amos Nodler uh, has joined us. He's an economist. He has his PhD. He taught behavioral finance. Uh, an all-around brilliant guy. My, my wife really enjoys listening to these bits, uh, Amos. I must share with you. She just finds you fascinating. And uh, so thank you for that. Uh, how are you, man? Uh, I'm fantastic. How are you, Wolf? I am very well, thank you, Amos. Um, where to begin? Uh, I want to speak about... <laughs> I want to speak about assets again. Of course, that's what we talk about here, things to buy that are going higher. And um, it's incredible because uh, when you look at assets specifically, you pick a class of assets, gold, real estate, crypto. Um, they're, they're, they're not all painted with the same brush. Um, uh, you know, we have to really look through an asset category uh, to separate the, uh, the the wheat from the shaft, um, but but every now and then it's it's it's, it's the shaft that actually tends to do very very well, not the wheat. Uh, meaning, uh, right now I see ourselves in, in, a, in a situation in the real estate market where it's that entry level item. Uh, the the downtown course to boot is getting a lot of attraction. Uh, for the entry-level item uh, uh, stuff between in the downtown core, I'm going to say if, if it's a house, it's somewhere between a million and two million. If it's if it's out in the burbs, uh, it's just under a million bucks, give or take. Uh, garbage upon garbage is selling uh, enormous prices. And I spoke to a, a good friend of mine who is from Buffalo, lives in Toronto now for the last 40 years, but uh, still has family in Buffalo, and it continues to scratch his head at the differential between. Uh, a house in suburb of Buffalo versus uh, here in Toronto. Again, two completely different cities, similar climate, uh, similar passion for hockey, um, you know, and a different passport. And, you know, you can debate which who has the better passport. I'm going to say Canada, uh, but others would, you know, would debate that as well. Uh, yet there's such differentiation between price points. So, almost again, you being an economist uh, and, and a behavioral uh finance expert uh, what do you read into that situation because again we speak about the house in schitt's creek the original home of schitt's creek and 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 that house uh, i believe it's in forest hill uh has reduced in price from 20 some odd million dollars down to 14 million dollars and it's twenty-one thousand square feet so you're getting it well below um replacement cost mm-hmm. well absolutely i mean first of all you're, you when you're talking about the all assets. What you've focused on here is what I would call alternative assets. You know, you're not mentioning equities. You're not talking about bonds or cash. So we're talking about alternatives. Uh, so you have crypto, real estate, uh, other things like that. And uh, certainly real estate has been on a lot of people's minds. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you're talking about the differences in price between within Canada, within Ontario, within Toronto and the Burbs. And then you're going hopping, hopping over the border into New York and talking about the drastic price differences there. Um, the, you know, there are forces that affect all markets, but there is massive segmentation going on um, across markets. So, for example, in the Toronto downtown core, we, we lived there until just until COVID hit. We left right right when that happened. And we saw, you know, prices change dramatically. And then prices started rising dramatically as you move away from Toronto. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you're right. Lancaster and, and, and London even doubling, almost tripling in prices. And so, 
you're seeing consumer preferences shift. Uh, the work from home aspect of it is, is cannot be overstated. It's massive. Um, but when you cross, we talk about crossing the border into a different country with a different tax code, with different, you know, penal code, different culture. I mean, all of those things, as soon as you cross that bridge, it is a different world. I, by the way, full disclosure, am an American citizen and uh, I've experienced both Canada and U.S. and can state that, yeah, just being a member of the United States, you know, a citizen, you're not entitled to the same things you are in Canada. And so, you know, we could have a sort of sociological discussion about the differences between countries and how that lends itself to differences in, in housing prices. Um, but I don't know if we want to go in that direction. Well, I'll tell you what I do love. Uh, my, my, my favorite market in the world is the American market. I love the American stock market. Uh, you know, 70% of our clients' assets are in American companies. Uh, mm -hmm. They are the finest and they are so easy to buy and sell. Uh, beautiful liquidity, much more liquid than the Canadian market. Uh, they have an extended uh, extended market. Uh, but when it comes to uh, buying some bricks and mortar south of the border, first off, I would always think hands down, city for city, uh, the United States would be more expensive. And and if you uh, again, you have to, don't forget you have to convert dollars. Fair enough. Um, but uh, you know, you compare a Canadian city to a U.S. I would just think by default it'd be more valuable. But that's obviously not the case. Um, but let's, let's let's take it home. Let's let's stay here at home. Uh, my point is again, and I spoke to Michael Hainsworth in our in our last episode about this. And Jack spoke about the, the, the REIT market. It's the second tier stuff right now, um, almost, uh, and, and even mm -hmm. third tier stuff that, that seems to be moving up the most. And again, we saw in, in, with tech stocks, uh, the FANG stocks were dominating forever. I mean, the Facebook, the Amazon, the Google, the Netflix, big money took those names significantly higher. Uh, and then money seemed to rotate. The, the, the FANG stocks held, held strong, but didn't correct. But then the, the second tier tech names began to participate in the rally. Uh, well, the same thing in real estate. Uh, we're now seeing, I'd say, second tier, second quality real estate uh, be well overbid for what you're getting. Like when I'm hearing of 25-foot lots in Toronto uh, of a 75-year-old building uh, selling quickly for $2 million, I, I, I have to scratch my head. Um, when, in fact, if you could travel 10 minutes away, you can get yourself twice the lot. And I mean 10 minutes away. You can get double the lot for and, and, and double the building on a quieter street uh, for maybe 10% more money. And it doesn't seem to have the same demand. Uh, so COVID stay-at-home schmovid. I'm going to say COVID schmovid. We still want to go downtown. We still want to stand on top of each other. Real estate is proving the point. Same with the condo market. I'm hearing it's very well bid. Jack, I'll give you 30 seconds before we go to break here. Um, quickly pipe in here in your opinion of, of, of that segment of the real estate market. Yeah, well, you see the excess liquidity across the board. So that, that feeds into the stock market and obviously feeds into the real estate market. And I think the those lower end houses that you're talking about, um, a lot of the people that are buying them didn't have that access to cash maybe a year or two ago. Now they do because of all the excess liquidity. Um, but at the higher end, you know, you talk about a $14 million place. If someone was going to buy that, you know, this year or previous years, I would expect that they would have access to the money that they want and need. Interesting home. Indeed it is. Just, uh, why don't you call up your agent uh, to say, I'm interested in buying that Shit's Creek home. Take me for a tour. That would be fun. Sci-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. Speaking of Amos Nadler, of course, Jack Hartle, my partner, joins each and every Saturday. Amos is uh, an economist, uh, also uh, a PhD uh, in behavioral finance. Uh, a real delight to speak with him. We're going to dig deeper into his gray matter to see uh, what holds for our future. Stay tuned. Hi-Fi 
Global News, 640 in Toronto. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Wouldn't it be nice if we were older we would have to wait so long? And wouldn't it be nice to live together in the kind of world where we belong? Welcome back, my good friends. I caught the 4th of July uh, presidential fireworks display and the Beach Boys played. And not bad. Uh, indeed. Quite good. I enjoyed it indeed. Uh, I was always a Beach Boy fan, but a uh, little California dream. And, and indeed, what a beautiful place to live that would be. Um, you know, it's incredible. Uh, I do a, a weekly uh business hit in Kelowna, BC uh, on Friday mornings. And uh, when you get late into the summer, uh, the, just the intro uh, coming out of the weather report is, of course, of the, uh, uh, the wildfires that tend to come through uh, and the smoke and the, uh, the, the quality of the air. And if you go to the East Coast uh, in the August, you, you would get yourself something similar, but it's called an iceberg report. <laughs> so you get a forest fire report out west, you get an iceberg report out east. Uh, but we're speaking with Amos Nodler, and uh, Amos was saying, well, if we should talk about the uh, rising temperatures, uh, certainly having a, an impact on uh, people's lives. Uh, so, so let's just do that. Um, you know, when, when you turn up the heat, Amos, you being a behavioral, <laughs> behavioral finance expert, and of course, that's what Harold Ballard used to do. Uh, he'd turn up the heat in the Maple Leaf Gardens, get you to buy more pop. Uh, son of a gun that he was. <laughs> oh, yeah. He had all the tricks, my good friend. <laughs> Um, hey, you go to the casino, they pump a little oxygen in the air. Um, but what happens when you turn up the heat? Uh, you know, the madness of crowds. Talk to me about that. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. There's, there's certainly a lot that happens when <laughs> you increase the level of temperature. I mean, there's interesting research about crime increasing, about there's all sorts of <laughs> physiological things that happen. But if you think about the impact, the, uh, impact on our, the economy uh, through the environmental channel, what you're probably going to be seeing is shifting of resources, changes of, um, for example, what people plant, the, the technologies they use to, to, to water and to fertilize. Like, you know, th- there's reason to believe in the, the word I'm getting to here is volatility, that the predictability that we've had for long periods of time, there's, there's some data suggesting that, that we won't have the predictability. Like that Beach Boy song, nobody was thinking about the issues that we're, ta- that we're thinking about today back when – you know, the Beach Boys were, were playing their music to, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Uh, so what's going to what's the world going to look like and what our portfolios need to look like if we're going to be having assets that are more vulnerable than they were before? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's mm-hmm. Sorry, almost. It, but it's interesting. Uh, again, the, the, the cars that were driven. Uh, by the Beach Boys. That's mm-hmm. right. Those great big oh, yeah. land yachts, those boats, Gradually. had no catalytic converters in them, and they 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 stunk like you like no tomorrow. And I say that because I was recently behind a a, a, a twenty seven foot convertible Chevy of some port, some sort. But I wasn't just behind him. I was I was three cars behind him, and I could smell the emittance coming out of that thing because there's no catalytic converter. Uh, look, the, the, our friends on the West Coast are environmentally aware. 
And, and, and you know, what, what frustrates me every now and then is, is this notion of it being an environmentalist and, and, and the notion, hey, our planet's warming. You know, we're now aware of that. Excuse me, uh, I, I honestly believe all of us knew that we were having an environmental impact by burning carbon some 50 years ago. Uh, we knew that. So, so to think that, gee, we're just waking up to it now, I think is nonsense. It's just such slow progression to turn the, uh, the, the, the big ship. It's a, it's a monstrous consumption ship and to steer it in a slightly different direction uh, does not come quickly. But our friends in the West Coast, I find them to be highly progressive. Our friends in Europe, highly progressive. Uh, what we don't want is to be forced into the trade, meaning when they, when they turn up the heat too much that we start to cinder, oh, gee, we better do something about this now, a bit too late. And again, those iceberg reports in the East Coast are coming more frequently. The, the ice cap is melting. <laughs> so again, again, almost speak to that. We as a people, uh, are you optimistic? You know, there's there's two models in environmental economics. As an undergrad, I took a few classes in that area and an intern for an environmental law firm um, mm. at the University of Oregon and did, did a bit of, you know, sort of secondary research about it. And um, there's kind of two models. One is an extreme model that let's call the overshoot and collapse, saying we're basically screwed. And the other model is saying <laughs> that, look, when the scarcity arises, we will find ways to use the same resources more efficiently. Like the gas mm -hmm. example is literally a text, you're dead on, but that was the textbook example of cars in the 50s, you know, at 10 miles a gallon, now you get a Prius at whatever significantly higher number. So it's true that you can extract more from the same gallon of gas, you can extract more, you know, almonds or, or apples from the same acre of orchard, whatever it is. Those things are both true, but they don't ultimately tell us where things are going to happen because the the system that we're operating in is more complicated than we can really model. Um, so with the thing that I do think is going to happen is there will be less predictability, which is the same thing as higher volatility. So the use, for example, of derivatives and futures and things like that to stabilize the price system may provide some, you know, some the financial engineering behind that may provide some stability. Uh, there's that. Um, in terms of the, the flip side of that is thinking that uh, stability in financial markets is the same as ecological stability, which is not true at all. Like markets can correct in, in a day if they need to, but, but ecological systems do not correct in a day. And, and there's a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, the way we use resources, we, when something gets very expensive, this is straight out of behavioral, or sorry, rather uh, environmental economics, when something gets too expensive, what do we do? We substitute to some other alternative. And so, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing as things become more scarce and more expensive, there'll, there'll be more substitutions going on. And, and I think there's going to be more unpredictability about where things are going from, uh, you know, from our industrial, um, industrial sector in that regard. And environmentally, I, I don't know. Um, I try to be optimistic where I can, but I know that we're dealing with a nonlinear system that's never been tampered with this uh, to this degree before. Almost Nodler, uh, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. We got creative today, did a little jazz uh, radio, I shall say. Jazz, of course, is all free and, and uh, it's fun uh, that way. We're trying to keep it pure and real, shall I say. You know, what's on your mind? Uh, each and every week, things change, and it's fun to challenge uh, what we've learned and, you know, what we expect to take place. But uh, we're in the summer months, my good friends. Prepare for a little volatility. Uh, you know, the, the, the volatility tends to be a little... Uh, greater this time of year so just you know keep uh, keep seated seatbelt on 
stay the course. You're going to get to your destiny if you stay the course and you own quality assets. And, well, you have a guiding hand. That's what Jack and I are here for. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com. Any questions for Jack or I? If you have any ideas for guests, please uh, share them with us as well. Uh, we're always looking for interesting people to talk to, just like Amos Nadler. Uh, Jack, I want to wish you a safe weekend. Friends at home, uh, may you be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you next Saturday right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.